0: You are listening to The Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of Reminiscence.
1: You're going on a journey. A journey through memory. All you have to do is follow my voice. We're closed. I know. I'm sorry it's late. We have time for one more job. began to rise, and war broke out. Nostalgia became a way of life. There wasn't a lot to look forward to. So people began looking back. Nothing is more addictive than the past. No, 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 no. put me back. Put me back. I She has moved on, and you should too. People don't just... That happened. To find where she'd gone, I had to know where she'd been. Was she running from the past? Or racing back towards it? How much did you really know her? How much did you love know? her? Who was she? Who was she even not with me? Think you want answers? Well, you don't. Where is she? Where is she? Arson, bribery, murder. People love their secrets. Don't go down this path. Stay here in this life. I deploy. I have to do this. That machine of yours, how close can you get before the illusion's broken? You're going on a journey. All you have to do is follow my voice.
0: All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Reminiscence, and the story is as follows. A scientist discovers a way to relive your past and uses technology to search for his long-lost love, while a private investigator uncovers a conspiracy while helping his clients recover lost memories. The film is starring Hugh Jackman, Rebecca Ferguson, Tandy Wayne Newton, and Cliff Curtis. It is written and directed by Lisa Joy. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Bianca Gardner. Hello. Josh Parm. Hello, hello. And Dan Baer. We're going on a journey. All you have to do is follow the sound of my voice. (laughs) Okay. The waters are rising. Let's reminisce on this movie, shall we? (laughs) So, feature directorial debut for Lisa Joy, co-creator of Westworld, amongst other television projects as well being given the keys to the kingdom here a pretty uh high budgeted film all overall which is a rarity for an original ip not based on a pre-existing material of any kind so there's a lot of factors here that you know i myself am personally rooting to see succeed because quite frankly this is the kind of you know like film that I feel like we used to get a lot in the 90s early 2000s and they rarely make these kinds of movies anymore I'm curious to know what you all think about it. It is currently playing in theaters and streaming on HBO Max. I'm going to pass it off first to Dan Baer. Dan, what did you think of Reminiscence?
2: (laughs) I I have jokingly said in conversations with people that this is the kind of movie that would have been made in like 1997 with like Kurt Russell and Linda Fiorentino and would have (laughs) opened It would have opened at number one in a week-week at the box office and then quickly fallen out of the top ten after, like, barely recouping its budget. And then someone reminded me that actually Strange Days exists. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is very similar to Strange Days, but not quite as ballsy. I actually really liked Reminiscence quite a bit, um, mostly because it is... Is one of the most straight-up noir films that I've seen come out new recently. Um, For, like, 95% of its running time, this is as straight a noir as you will ever find. Um, It, unfortunately, kind of bungles the ending, I think. It can't quite commit to that darkness that is at the heart of noir, but I... Loved the production design, and I thought the cinematography and visual effects looked really good. And I thought Hugh Jackman and Rebecca Ferguson especially were great. I thought Hugh Jackman is a perfect <laughs> noir lead. Rebecca Ferguson is obviously our new femme fatale queen. And I thought Tadeway Newton was a really good Girl Friday. I I really liked it. I don't think that everything Quite comes together the way that Lisa Joy may have wanted it to or was intending it to, but it's a good watch. It's not great, but it's good.
0: All right, cool. Passing it over next to Bianca Gardner.
3: Yeah, I kind of echo what Dan was saying. I think I like the world building, I thought it was very interesting because, you know, this was this different type of noir dystopia that we see. Like it was set. you know, with the sun and the water, I thought that was a really interesting sort of take on it. It wasn't like everything looked run down, but it also had this brightness to it. I and mean, that was something that was kind of refreshing to see. I didn't, you know, wasn't these like rainy Blade Runner cities that we see.
0: Bianca, in America, we call that place Miami, Florida.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a real place. Oh, yes. <laughs> 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 don't um,
2: be upset I didn't recognize that it was miami at first either
3: yeah <laughs> I, I, I it looks beautiful I mean yeah um if that's what the future's gonna look like i am all on board for that yeah i I found yeah that the world building was really interesting I wanted a bit more of that like I felt the story was just a little bit too standard you know like the typical film noir but I wanted a bit more I wanted some more i don't know politics at play a bit more sort of holding up a mirror to us current society i wanted more of that sort of explored and and possibly the the issue here is because it is a film um and if this had been a sort of a, um, a tv series maybe more of that world would have been explored um, and that's what is kind of frustrating because the actual story i feel is very weak Um, whereas the rest of the movie is quite, you know, know, interesting and and all this sort of stuff that's going on, these dynamics between the poor people sort of having to swim about and the rich people living on the dry land. And it was just a bit average, I guess, really, in terms of the story. And it, it just kind of ruined it for me, my overall enjoyment of the film.
0: All right. Josh Parham, what did you think of Reminiscence?
4: So I'm going to echo many sentiments that have already been stated. I actually did end up liking this movie a lot more than honestly I thought I would. And I think a large part of that has to do with, as was stated, the kind of world building that goes on in this movie. I think that this film does have a very kind of distinct look. To it, And I did find that the further we explored sort of like the technology and the different aspects of this world, I found myself very intrigued by that. And I think it's designed particularly well. I will agree that I think the story is the weakest part of it. I think there are some elements that are pretty strong, in particular kind of the emotions, the emotional arcs that these characters go through was surprisingly effective for me. But I do think that it does kind of fall back on some traditional noir tropes that feel a little, as was said, kind of standard and average and is not particularly innovative despite the setting that this movie takes place in. And I think eventually I kind of get a little tiresome of the structure of the movie and it doesn't really pull me in all the way through. Um, But at the same time, I think that the performances from the actors are still really great. And the overall kind of aesthetic and tone of it, I found myself very much invested in. So the story is not the best. I definitely will admit I think that's the weakest part. But there's a lot of other elements that really impressed me. And I ended up actually, like, like I said, liking this movie a lot more than I thought I would.
0: Yeah, I was really taken in by the themes of the film in terms of looking back on the past because the future is just so incredibly bleak that we have nothing else to, you know, ultimately hold on to.
2: And yeah, nothing that we can relate to. Yeah. Nothing that anyone can relate to in 2021.
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> and that that definitely resonated with me for obvious reasons, like Dan was just saying here, uh, but also to this idea of being trapped in the past and how it can be so alluring to the point that we can get lost in it and kind of lose our grasp on the reality of here and now i was really really taken by that aspect of it i think that hugh jackman is a very charismatic and powerful uh performer when he's in this driven obsessive kind of mode it's like the kind of uh territory that we've seen him explore in movies like the prestige or the fountain prisoners And I feel like sometimes he has, like, only three tricks up his sleeve. It's usually that, musical Hugh Jackman, and Wolverine. (laughs) And that's like, I I almost don't really know if there's anything else there for him to offer. But I much prefer when he's in that first register. And that's what he is delivering upon here. He's brooding. He's tortured. He's very emotional. Like Josh said, I do like the emotional arcs that both he and... Uh, Tandaway and Newton uh, both go on actually, and even though I felt like she was a bit sidelined compared to him, um, I was happy that at least she still got some form of an arc in there as well. But the real star of this movie I think is the production design. I really, really, really enjoyed the world building as was mentioned here before. I love the little details. I love the homage to the film noir uh, genre. Like Dan said, it's pretty much a straight-up film noir. Yes, there are these futuristic sci-fi elements thrown in there as well. And of course, because Lisa Joy is married to uh, Jonathan Nolan, uh stepbrother Christopher Nolan, it's only natural that the, f- the theme of time <laughs> would somehow find its way into uh, the storytelling here. And I do find that time is actually the greatest villain of all in this movie. Compared to the actual villains, uh, played by, you know, Cliff Curtis and a few others that I won't spoil here. And I just found all of that to be incredibly disappointing. So it's like a bit of a mixed bag for me, but at the same time I walked away more positive than negative. I think because A, I wanted to like this movie. And B I was very captivated by the world building, and I did find myself getting uh really caught up in uh, not just the setting, but also the themes that the movie was exploring as well. Even if it was a bit messy at times. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I think it's great to see like a original movie, you know? Out right? There. Yeah, but in a way, it kind yeah. of made me. This movie kind of made me think of. Um, is it Transcendent? Oh gosh, the one with Johnny. Transcendence.
2: Yeah. Transcendence.
3: That's what I was thinking. I was just like, this is just like um, just another sort of like Nolan-esque type of imitation but at least this was a bit more exciting and had something that was uh, you know that emotional punch to it whereas
0: I, I give that to Hugh Jackman mostly you know yeah, it's like yeah, if, if you right. if you need your lead character to be someone that is uh, a performer that we have a pre-existing relationship with and somebody that we feel comfortable with on screen I don't think you could have cast an unknown. In the lead role, I think it would have fallen flat and it wouldn't have worked Then, But because it's Hugh Jackman, um, I do feel that that is r- like really the key to the movie's ultimate like success, if, if you do consider it a success, uh, because he's the one who has to guide us on this journey through all this world building and this conspiracy mystery and his own character's emotional journey as well.
1: You really can't ask for much more than that, can you people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.
2: It's interesting because he was not my favorite performance or I think the most effective performance by a long shot. For me, that is easily Rebecca Ferguson.
0: Oh, I I don't (laughs) disagree with that either. I actually think Rebecca Ferguson is maybe the – most stunningly photographed that she's ever been (laughs) in any movie that she starred in. And she is gorgeous to begin with. But holy hell, the way that she uh, just pulls off some of these uh, dresses that she's wearing. um, I mean... (laughs) Guys, we're, 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 we're one film away from a trilogy of Hugh Jackman falling in love with Rebecca Ferguson singing.
2: I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I'm here for it, honestly, especially if she gets to use her own voice, which is what it sounded like she was doing here. Yeah, I just was so fascinated. Not, It was her character where I really felt like, oh, no, yeah, this is a classic femme fatale with like a little bit of a twist at the end but like I really loved everything they were doing with that character and for me she was the real emotional through line of this movie which I wasn't really expecting I was expecting it to be more about Jackman and his character but she was really for me what made the film work as well as it did in addition to the you know world building and the production design which is fantastic
3: yeah at times Hugh Jackman's character I kept thinking this reminded me of a video game in a way (laughs) like I felt like he was just like a cat you know when you're just playing a character and you you know it's like Well, you
0: know when he's at the DA's office and they're revisiting the memories it's all like done in first person point of view so in that way I kind of get what you're saying there yeah
3: yeah and I was just thinking this it's like um what's it heavy rain or like beyond two souls that type of thing where you make choices mm-hmm. and I was just like this would have been a great game i would have preferred to play this than actually watch a movie because i would love to have seen like what sort of situations like where the story would take you if you made certain <laughs> you decisions. make a wrong
0: choice and you get misled <laughs> yeah. and then it's like you start shaking and the game just says yeah. game over
3: <laughs> but i that's what i'm i i just felt like his character in a way just felt very much passive in in certain things like there was the backstory there for him but we didn't really see much of him his life if you know what I mean like it was just all sort of alluded to whereas the other characters there was so much more emotional depth to them and i was really invested in both the female characters i i was so on board with their stories and i just felt like he was drifting about
0: isn't that the idea though that he's yeah. like supposed to be so obsessive that yeah. we're not really supposed to get any kind of uh look into his life uh you know either before or during any of this because That's the idea is that they're trying to drive home that he is fixated on this woman who clearly he's head over heels in love with and he may not even know her all that well. But I think that's also part of the fact that, you know, and it's alluded to that uh, the two tours that he served in the war and everything else being this, you know, ex-veteran, like I I think that, you know, considering that that is his past and his future is going to be clearly underwater in however many years and you know it just looks like there's no hope uh in both the future and also uh in the past for him that that kind that did work for me you know because they stripped away everything else to make him uh yeah i i think also too i want to just say like sometimes you can fall into a trap when you have a very obsessive character over a female another female character that Sometimes it getting, like, just borderline on creepy. <laughs> but I never got that here in terms of their relationship. I did find it to be very sincere in terms of how much he loved her. And then there is this mystery of, well, did she ever really love him? And, of course, the movie answers that by the end in, a, I think, a very hokey sort of way. But we <laughs> can talk about that later if you want.
2: <laughs> I The thing that bothers me is the like, I, this is very much a trope especially of noir films so i was willing to give this film a little bit more leeway on that front but like yeah. the whole like who was she when not with me like did, did was she lying to me the whole time and it's like like oh wow Yeah,
3: like
2: the very idea that a woman has a life outside of a man is so Like, mind-blowing to you. Like, (laughs) come on, of course she does. Right. But that said, in context of what they're doing, I was like, okay, I'll go with it. But there were moments when he was doing that when it was just like, dude, she is a person.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But they also use that to, I think, also explore – um, his flaws and you know that's really I think done through uh, the Watts character, uh, his partner uh, played by T- uh, Tandy Way Newton, where she's noticing that the path that he's going down is one that's only going to lead to pain and suffering and is not going to, you know, ultimately, you know, have a happy ending as they say a couple times here in this movie, which I also liked because I think that that allowed then for there to be, Some interesting character dynamics between the two of them, although I would have liked for that to have been fleshed out just a tad bit more as well, because like I said, I do feel like the movie sidelines her. Um, a little bit too much where I never feel like they're equal in terms, equals in terms of partners, even though she is constantly saving his ass. He's like the most incompetent action hero I think I've ever seen in my life.
4: Well, that's (laughs) like a lot of protagonists in noirs, you know, right? Yeah, (laughs) usually rather (laughs) passive and incompetent, even though they're the leads. And I find that all to be contributing to my biggest issues with the movie is not only does it indulge in these Tropes, which, you know, it's meant to be a very direct kind of reference to noir. So I don't necessarily have a problem with that um, inherently, but it's more so that most of the revelations that happen are rather obvious and you can spot them from a mile away. And the movie treats them like they are very grandiose revelations that happen. And it's like, well, this this doesn't... I don't think this really deserves that much fanfare because it felt so much like an easy answer that the movie would go to. And I think that was the source of my frustration with the storytelling was not just that it was conventional. It was more so that it treated its conventions as as if it was innovative. And I think that was a problem for me throughout most of this film with its story. It's kind of incredible that the movie
0: has the budget that it has. It's a first time feature debut and I guess maybe the compromise of it all was maybe she did get studio notes, I don't know, saying you got to make this accessible for a mainstream audience. You can't make this story super convoluted. No one has any idea what's happening. You know, like I I almost got this sense throughout it that even though there was probably a lot of leeway given in terms of her executing her vision, I guarantee that there was probably notes on the, the plot level of, we we can't lose we can't lose the audience with this this needs to be like a a box office hit of some sort even though we're obviously in a pandemic now to the point that like it made me think this almost could have been um like a made for television movie and i don't mean that like in a demeaning way i just mean in terms of it's storytelling i don't think was ever meant to be something that was going to challenge us
2: oh i I actually somewhat disagree with that i mean like at least in terms of her original vision, I think that it's very clear that that ending was (laughs) studio-mandated.
0: Oh, yeah, no, because you were were saying earlier, you know, 95% of the movie is, you know, hearkening to the film noir genre, and this ending is... I I think it wants to have it both ways. It wants to be happy, but it also wants to be poignant at the same time. But instead, I almost felt like there there was this darker, more cynical route that they could have taken with it all. And they didn't. Um, With that said, I liked the sad full circle aspect of the ending. I didn't like that they had to actually pronounce to the audience that it was happy, like, through dialogue. I was like, can you just leave that open for interpretation for the audience, please? You know?
3: Yeah, I, I felt like the ending was cheap. Yes. It, yeah. It, it just felt very, almost like, oh, we don't think our audience are clever enough to get this reference
0: right exactly let's
3: just you know spell it out uh, you know it's like they almost kind of turn to the character uh the camera and be like it's it's you can have it as a happy ending Mm -hmm. but it's also very sad you know it just felt really like i guess patronizing in a way like uh, i just ruined the overall enjoyment of the film because i i was really invested in you know, towards the ending, I thought it was interesting. We see him do something so dark, you know, with um replaying that memory.
0: Yeah. For for the Cliff Curtis yeah, character. Oh my yeah. God. Mm-hmm. Like
3: I was like, whoa, I didn't think it was going to go there. But like that was.
0: I really thought the movie was going to hit a turning point at there yeah. in terms of, OK, how deep now is Nick going with this? But th- th- that was kind of the the extent of it. Like that was as far as he was. Gonna go in his uh, journey to find May, mm. and that's okay. But at the same time, it, you, you're right, Bianca. It just kind of then led to this what felt like a studio, de- uh, studio mandated uh, decision to kind of have the ending wrap up very nicely with this neat little bow. And
2: yeah, eh,
0: you know, I, yeah, I, I will admit it. It definitely did knock down my score a, b- a bit there.
2: Like for what it is, I think it does a good job of like giving the studio what they wanted, I guess.
0: If that if that's the case. Yeah, if if that is the case.
2: I mean, for all we know,
0: this was everything that Lisa Joy intended and she got everything that she wanted and you know, it's just something that we agree to disagree on.
2: I'll say this, like if it is what she wanted, then that I would have to take my grade of this down a notch honestly, <laughs> because then it suddenly becomes a different movie and like why are you even doing this? But like it's like everything that Bianca said really it felt false like they went to a really good interesting dark place and I really would have loved if they had left it there but then no we have to have this like tacked on bit with Tendi Way Newton and, and like she sells it but it feels so antithetical to everything else that the movie is doing
4: yeah You know what? I'm actually going to stick up for the ending just a little bit. Uh, I do think that it could have been better executed. There's definitely – they get to that resolution I think a little quickly and do some sort of hand-waving to get us to that moment. And I do agree that there are some things about it that don't work for me. But I think why overall I'm sort of fine with it is – One, right before it, we get this really good scene between Hugh Jackman and Rebecca Ferguson where they're both, like, crying. And, like, even Cliff Curtis is involved in that scene, which I was – that surprised me, too. Like, it was an incredibly emotional moment right there. And then the movie does set up this conversation earlier about telling a happy story and all endings are sad unless you stop in the middle. So, like, they did set it up maybe it wasn't, like, the strongest resolution, but at least felt thematically connected to what the movie had already sort of set up previously. And for that, I I was fine with it. I agree that it wasn't, like, the strongest of endings, but it had enough elements to justify it within the narrative, and it was set up, you know, maybe that earlier scene just hit me so hard that I loved that scene so much that it kind of erased some of the other sins after that scene. So... Yeah, it's not a great ending, but I didn't have as many issues with it like you guys did.
0: See, that's the scene for me that I referenced earlier as being just a little too hokey for me. uh, Because, quite frankly, it's nothing to do with Hugh Jackman or Rebecca Ferguson. I actually think that they are selling it pretty well, all things considered. It's Cliff Curtis for me. And he never, not once in this movie, clicked for me as an antagonist... Uh, I think his big fight scene with Hugh Jackman is very overdone. <laughs> To the point that I was like, wow, this is still going and this is very expansive and I don't understand why because I really don't feel like I know who this character is that he warrants such a big, big, big set piece like this. And then, you know, when he's having uh, his moment there with Rebecca Ferguson in that scene, uh, just all of it was landing flat for me because his character is confused and I'm like – shouldn't this guy have an idea of who she's referencing and it's clearly not him? I I just found it to be unbelievable.
3: Yeah, I also think we we didn't really get introduced to him quick enough, you know? Like, if he had been, like, sort of um, earlier on in the movie, like, it it almost feels like the movie should have been slightly longer to pad out his character. If we had a bit more sort of confrontation between Hugh Jackman's character and his character, you know, it would have had more of an impact but it just feels a bit like, Oh, you thought it was this, this guy, but actually it's this one, you know, like I thought the, the main antagonist would have been the, the gangster guy with the fish tank.
0: Oh, St. Joe. St.
3: Joe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: I was like, I I actually really liked him. I was like, I want a bit more of him. please. But that's the problem
0: (laughs) though, is that all of the films villains are, I think, incredibly weak. Even God bless her. Uh, Marina de Tavira uh, in this and like, you know, her son and like all all this other stuff that's going on with like that whole aspect of the story. And it's just like, none of that was anywhere near as interesting to me as Nick finding May. uh, And what was the ultimate resolution of that? So, yeah, I
4: I think that is sort of the point of the movie. I'm not saying that that is excusable, but I'm just saying that I think that this film, like a lot of noirs, where you kind of feel like the point is the journey that this character goes on and whatever they interact with is sort of secondary to get them to that goal. And I think that has always been something of the genre itself that has been something that I have also resisted. And that is present here. I agree with you, Matt, that I think that the whole resolution of these villains and their goals is not very interesting. It's very, like, basic and obvious. And I and I mentioned that is the source of my frustration. Yeah. But I do think that this movie at least finds a way in its tone and its style and in its performances to keep me invested, even though the story elements are rather surface level and don't feel that creative.
0: But Bianca just said something a second ago, too, that also kind of reinforces why I think that even though this movie is trying to pass itself off as, you know, a... Uh, highly original executed vision from, you know, a new filmmaker here in Lisa Joy. I was shocked that this movie is under two hours long. Shocked. I like I. Well, first of all, I, I headed into it initially thinking it was going to be two and a half hours long based on a, yeah, previously a reported runtime. But to find out that it was less than two hours, all I could think to myself was, OK, either Lisa Joy is just being a very economical storyteller here or. Once again, studio says, we'll give you all this. We'll let you do this. It's got to come in under two hours.
3: (laughs) I hope there's a director's cut, you know? Right, so
0: this way we can like flesh it out a bit more. I would like that.
3: Hashtag joy cut. cut. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: did it, but like you know, I all this does feel like in that sort of way, like this movie that it is made in collaboration between filmmaker and studio, and it's like, okay, well, I want this. Well, we want this so that we can sell the movie better, and it just feels like it is kind of a compromised film in that way. Yeah,
2: it it really does. And it's sad because I really do want there to be more movies like this. Oh, yeah. Want more original IP stuff. But there's just... (laughs) It feels like this was made by Lisa Joy for Lisa Joy. And I, unfortunately, most general audiences are not Lisa Joy.
0: Oh, no. I mean, even Westworld fans have kind of dwindled... Over the yeah. last couple of years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get that. But in that regard, though, um, it was kind of cool to see a lot of past Westworld collaborators uh, back in this. Uh, you know, Tandway Newton, as we mentioned before, uh, we have Raman Jawadi doing the score.
2: The score was great. It lo- oh, the I movie love the looks score. and sounds mm-hmm. really good.
0: <laughs> Paul Cameron, uh, he's a cinematographer on Westworld as well. Uh, so it definitely has, I think, sometimes. You know, just this very it, – it, it, like you said, Dan, it looks really, really good. Uh, it looks incredibly well-polished uh, and definitely utilizes, like, uh, shadow and light very well with its uh, HD cinematography. Uh, and then, of course, as we mentioned, the production design is fantastic. I just love the – I love the clock shop. I love Nick and Watts's, you know, lair with the tank and just – even um, the fight scene with uh, Cliff Curtis where – I I, this, I I don't remember what kind of a building it was like a rundown building with the piano in it. There's just like a lot oh, of detail yeah. put into
4: these yeah. sets and then yeah. they got to submerge them in water on top of that too. Oh yeah. The, the production design, honestly, it's my favorite of the year so far. Mm. And what I love about it is it reminds me a lot of what like Nathan Crowley usually does, which is he can take a sci-fi kind of futuristic world and, still like infuse it with a sense of grounded reality so it seems like it could actually happen but it's like just enough science fiction to be unique but also attainable and like that's more difficult to do than you would think and i think the production design sells it really really well it is by far my favorite uh tech element of this movie and like i said at this point it's my favorite of the year
2: yeah i'm completely with you on that josh
3: I just want to say, though, everybody was riding around in boats, but where were the jet skis? Come on.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, especially it's Florida. Come on.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I really
2: did love, like, there's that set that is, or I guess it's not a set, it's a whole area. But, like, that was, like, there there was a Ferris wheel, but I don't want to call it a carnival. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Mm Mm-hmm. That was just like everything. It was like a combination like market and street fair and carnival things that was supposed to be in like this lower income part of town that like it just like everything about that world seemed it did feel real and lived in. And like it was, well, we got to make do with what we got for for the people in the world, not for the people building the sets. (laughs) Yeah. And it felt like real and scrappy in a way that most production design jobs on sci-fi movies don't like they kind of go for more fantastical stuff and here it was just no it's it's florida but there's you know a foot of water (laughs) at least everywhere (laughs) and i love that sort of like near future or like it's the present day but you know jump a couple of places over in the multiverse kind of thing. It feels adjacent to our world, but not quite in our world. And I think that helps with a lot of what the movie's going for. I also really loved how they interacted with the memories, I guess, like the machine that they hook everyone up to and look at the memories on. I really liked that design. Although I have to ask, like, the explanation that he gives in the movie for why... When you're looking at the memories, you can see the person who is living them. I did not buy it. I'm sorry. Oh, interesting. Didn't buy it at all.
0: Is there a reason for that? Or like, was there a moment in the movie that stood out to you for that? or?
2: Well, it, it, when the movie started and we're first going into these memories and you see the person who is living them, I was like, no, that's not how memories work. Like, you're the protagonist. You wouldn't see yourself. How is mm. this working? And then when Hugh Jackman's character gave the explanation of why it works that way to um to Rebecca Ferguson's character, I was just sitting there like, no i don't think i ever when i think back on memories i don't ever really see myself
0: you see it like in that first person
2: point of view (laughs) yeah i may see like if i'm fantasizing about something then i may see myself yeah
3: we just need to hook you up to that machine and find out okay
2: (laughs) but i really like the scene afterward where he like steps into it and is kind of interacting with the like there are all these fibers that are mm, going yeah. up through it. And I really like the way they they set that up. Mm-hmm. And that machine alone is a really great piece of production design.
4: Yeah. I also sort of felt like it was a way to then distinguish the scene later on when it's like the 2D machine mm-hmm. that they have. Which yeah. I also liked that too. Like, so yeah, even though maybe the explanations of why we have like a 3D version and a 2D version are like rather superfluous and don't make a lot of sense i i did still like that distinction and i thought that it really helped to again build out the world that oh there's like there's this technology but there's also like different levels that this technology can operate in and that he has the high-end one and the you know the government has like a lower-end one that they have to work with <laughs> I, I thought that was a nice
2: touch i did love that and i liked that they set up that he has that working relationship with the da's office where he will go in and like you know quote unquote interrogate people by like going into their memories like that all felt like even little things like that like that offered you this insight this window into this world yeah Uh, and it's i do think it's a
4: little unfair to say this but it is sort of hard to shake the inception vibes from this movie yeah you know I, i don't want to really just unilaterally say that, because obviously Lisa Joy, she's her own filmmaker with her own stories. And, you know, I don't want to just lay that association on her just because she's related to the Nolan. I said
0: it in my review. The movie is and her. She's going to be compared unfairly and unfavorably. And it's inevitable. It's like a really shitty thing. But also, too. She is playing with concepts of time. There are some shots that do look like they came straight out of Inception. It's like, it does it. it it's like she is bringing the comparison on, onto herself instead of doing something that's more distinctive. Don't you think?
4: Oh yeah. I mean, the, the fact that like there's also scenes where a character will be talking about something, and even the way that it cuts back and forth to those scenes, like it feels mm. very much like something in Inception. The whole thing about entering somebody's mind and how this. Technology has like uh, connections to the government. Like that's also straight out of inception. And it is a little unfair, but it is also very hard to shake that when I'm watching the movie, because it does not only the story feels connected to it, but just even stylistically it, it feels connected to that film too. I mean, with that said, I you know, even
0: though Jonathan Nolan is a producer on the movie and I'm sure that he and Lisa Joy have this incredible pillow talk where they talk very philosophically <laughs> about time and everything else, All you know, all the time. Um, I, I would like to see her do something that does not invite these comparisons in the future. But for now, um, I think this is a great way still for her to get, you know, her name in the door in the feature uh, business in Hollywood.
2: Oh, yeah, I agree with that too.
0: All right, so for final thoughts on Reminiscence, uh, Dan Baer, we'll start off with you.
2: Reminiscence is the type of movie that I wish was made more often in Hollywood. It is an original story that is using uh, tropes from genres that we don't see anymore to do something that is (laughs) currently unique. And I wish that more studios took a chance on this kind of stuff. At the same time, it could have been done a little better but i'm here for it all right
0: bianca gardner
3: yeah i agree i really like the fact that this is um you know original movie and i really enjoyed the the noir aspects of it i i love noir it's one of my favorite genres and i think this movie was really sort of interesting with how it, it approached you know those tropes and tried to incorporate them into a story with some sci-fi elements I think the film is beautifully shot I really like the acting Uh, I thought there's some really interesting action sequences with a great shootout which you know is probably one of my favorite uh, action scenes this this year and some very strong female characters Um, I just wish that that it had been longer and I wish it didn't have that really sort of tacked on ending. But aside from that, I think it's a very solid movie.
4: Josh Barm. Two quick things that I want to mention. One, uh, I do want to reiterate that um, the scene with St. Joe, uh, he is like a really like fun villain in this movie, which there really isn't any. And so he brought like a lot of like fun energy to that role and made a made an impression despite not being in the movie a ton. And I agree, I wish he was in the movie more because he was like the only villain that actually seemed entertaining to watch. And it is a pretty good shootout scene too. So I do really like that moment in that character. I do wish that he was in it more. Um, And the other thing that I want to mention is, even though that this is a sci-fi movie that uses like a lot of these very, you know, kind of, heady concepts with all this technology, by far the most unrealistic thing about this movie is that nobody could recognize Cliff Curtis. How is that possible? <laughs> like the minute he popped on screen and then they showed up again, it's like, wait a minute. Is that that guy we saw earlier? Of course it was. It was Cliff Curtis. Most unrealistic <laughs> thing about the movie, <laughs> but still very good. I-, I did find myself enjoying the movie a good deal. Surprisingly. So. And I agree with you, Dan, I wish we get more movies like this. Cause I think it's a very solid effort.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed the movie. I didn't love it. I definitely think the execution is messy at times and it doesn't fully come together as well as it possibly could have. But I admire the effort I admire the themes of this movie and I always like movies that, on a philosophical level do get me asking questions and of course I like putting myself then in the characters uh shoes and wondering like oh what would I have done in this situation oh like this is how that character's journey ends how would I feel about that you know and so a movie that gets me uh engaged in that sort of way is something that I always will appreciate but overall um, I, I Like I said, I think it's a, a, a solid first effort with some flaws, and I recognize wholeheartedly that I am being very lenient because I've seen some people react to this movie much more harshly than any of us have on this review today, and I understand that. But speaking just for myself here, as mentioned uh, by a few of you as well, I, I want to see original ideas and and, and executed in this way uh, more frequently uh, within the Hollywood studio system doesn't have to be a hundred million dollar budget it can be well you know within that mid-budget range instead and still have that glossy studio shine to it and once again as I kind of mentioned a while back with a movie like motherless Brooklyn uh, as another noir. Um, I really got to commend Warner Brothers for being one of the few major studios that are still greenlighting projects such as this with these kinds of budgets, with these kind of big name actors, whereas everybody else is just defaulting to sequels and IP. So, I I I kind of feel like I have to give this movie the benefit of the doubt, despite uh, some of its flaws. With that said. I'm giving the movie a 6 out of 10. I liked it. I'm not too, too high on it. I just watched it again a second time this morning, right before we hopped on to this review here today. And I got to admit, I didn't enjoy it maybe as much as I did the first time around either. But overall, I'm sticking with my 6 out of 10. Bianca?
3: Yeah, I'm giving it a 6 out of 10 as well.
4: Dan Baer?
2: Um,
3: I am actually going to give it the benefit of the
2: doubt and give it a 7 out of 10. Josh Parm,
4: I'm going to be with Dan. 7 out of
0: 10. Okie dokie. Reminiscence. Oscar potential. Do we think that the production design might get cited by anybody in later on in the season?
4: Well, I want it to. No. Yeah, <laughs> I really wanted <laughs> to, but I kind of have my doubts on it. Yeah. I was thinking, like, at best, Art Directors Guild. Maybe, you know, with yeah, their like, fantasy, the
0: fantasy field. Yeah. You know. field, yeah.
2: Yeah, I can see that.
0: You know, and then I was trying to I was thinking to myself, what an impressive opening shot that the movie had where it was this big, long shot of the city that just glides closer and closer until we get into a close up of Hugh Jackman that early on I was like, oh, are we looking at any kind of visual effects work here that might stand out? And I think the visual effects work is pretty seamless at times in terms of how it uh, works in the background with set extensions and things of that nature, but there really wasn't anything else that stood out to me, even with the uh, visions in the tank. Uh, nothing ever kind of jumped out at me as, oh, this could be a visual effects co- contender. I-, I-, I don't see that happening either.
2: Yeah, no, the only thing is the how they do the memories, really. I would love for the production design to get uh, recognized, but... Unfortunately, it's not going to happen.
0: Yeah, it's just not that kind of movie. Anything else?
4: Anybody? Um, no, I think the production design, like visual effects, are the most likely things for this film. And I think it's going to struggle to get those nominations, unfortunately. Um, I did really like the score. I think that was another good element. But again, I would be highly di- doubtful that that will even make the short list at the end of the year. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. All right, well, that'll do it here for our review of *Reminiscence* on the next Best Picture podcast. Bianca Gardner, tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find you on the internet.
3: Well, if you travel back in time in my memories, um, no, you can find, <laughs> <laughs> no, you can find me over uh, at the film B on Twitter.
2: Dan Bear. You can find me on Twitter at and Dan on Film. Josh Parm.
4: I'm on Twitter at JR
0: And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time.